Hey, welcome to the Most Useful Information Podcast. I'm here with Ray. We're going to talk about The Lying Life of Adults by Elena Ferrante. How's it going, Ray? It's great. It's wonderful. Good to hear it. This enjoyable book, and now talk about it. Yeah. Is it um, rainy there in the Pacific Northwest? It's actually not. It's still, we're still really, really, really dry. It's fire season. Yeah. We got, we did get some rain, like not last night, but the night before, and everybody was talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I forgot fire season. Is it smoky out there? It was a little bit last weekend. And then it, it seemed like it was yesterday. The moon was really orange in that very particular way. That's like, oh, there's something in the, the air. Yeah. Uh, smoke. Smoky sunsets are like the prettiest, I think. Yeah. It's like anything that's not good for you just makes the, the night sky and the day sky just like. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, cool. Glad that it's not rainy in Portland. Uh, and sweet. But, uh, let's get into this book. Enough BS. Yeah, um, no, there's no, too much small talk going on right now. Yeah, no, no small talk. Um, uh, one of us should probably give a quick. Um, well, no. What What did you think of this book? What are your first like thoughts or reactions to it? Loved it from like the very beginning, just right away. It fires so hard. There's no big preamble. You're just dropped in. I feel like reading the first like chapter, which is a paragraph, is like, I don't know. You care? Are you are you cool if I read that? Yeah, I was it? gonna I was gonna suggest it. I marked it like nice. as an important section. You want to? You want to? Or you want me to do it? Uh, you you do it. All right, cool. Two years before leaving home, my father said to my mother that I was very ugly. The sentence was uttered under his breath in the apartment that my parents, newly married, had bought at the top of Via San Giacomo de Capri in Rione Alto. Everything. The spaces of Naples, the blue light of a frigid February, those words remained fixed. But I slipped away, and am still slipping away, within these lines that are intended to give me a story. Well, in fact, I am nothing, nothing of my own, nothing that has really begun or really been brought to completion, only a tangled knot. And nobody, not even the one who at this moment is writing, knows if it contains the right thread for a story or is merely a snarled confusion of suffering without redemption. <laughs> Which like, I feel like that's a little heavier than the whole book. Yeah. But it, it kind of sets it in a way that I was just like right away, like, oh, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like it. it. I mean, I'm gonna try to not just refer, have you read her other books? I haven't. Uh, sweet that's cool um there the the one that's famous my brilliant friend kind of starts with her writing about like disappearing margins and like her friend that like had just disappeared from the face of the earth or something and i feel like this opening is like kind of similar in that it's like the the subject of this novel that you're about to read is kind of like is nothing they're like there might not be anything here yeah which is... It's a good setup with like, cause it's very like loaded. And then, I mean, when you find out like, like later on, I don't know, I, we can do spoilers in here and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no such thing as spoilers. Yeah. And I guess like, there's not really like, I don't know, hearing like the, the gravitas with which that intro is. And then like what her father like actually said to her. I don't know. I think that's like where it's like, it's cause it's, it's written so much looking back on that teenage experience of like the way that her, her father was like, oh, you look like your your aunt, you know? Oh, you have characteristics that are similar to your aunt. And that just like fucking devastated her. Like until, and it's felt so strong throughout. Like it's always so close to that, like teenage girl experiences. Yeah. And her parents are like kind of confused because it was like a nothing throwaway comments mm -hmm. to them. Uh, and it meant like everything to her. And it's sort of like, I mean, it sets the novel off on its path and sort of like, is the beginning of the end of like this cohesive family unit. And yeah. so it's kind of interesting to me how like those words, like you look like your aunt, um, like 
mean drastically different things to different people and the con mm -hmm. and the like consequences of the sort of different understandings of those words i guess or something yeah it's it has something that's so yeah they're like oh the parents being like we we use that as kind of a joke you know it is like a, a little slight but it's mostly in it's mostly jovial but yeah it, it sets her out to be like well am i like my aunt what is she yeah, like? yeah. family stuff um so i'll try to give a quick summary because our listeners might not know what it means to look like her aunt That's uh, and feel free to fill in anything i forget but the reason that that's like she takes that that she looks like her aunt like to heart is because her aunt is like estranged from her family or her dad is estranged from his his family and so she doesn't actually know her aunt she just knows that her mom and dad hate her aunt and so hearing that she kind of tries to like who is my aunt? What did he mean by that? And so he goes, she goes and she tries to like look at family photos and her aunt's face is like scribbled out of every single photo. So she like can't even see what her aunt is like. And then she kind of confronts her parents and is like, I want to meet my aunt. And her dad's like, fine, you can go meet her. And he drives her and he says before he drops her off something like, just know that your aunt's like a miserable person and she's going to try to use you to make me miserable. Um, like kind of warning her and he's not wrong, but she goes and meets her aunt and she actually quite likes her and she develops this relationship with her that, um, that partway through the book kind of falls apart. Um, she starts to see the ugliness of, of her aunt and then, uh, and then I felt like it was almost two books kind of like the, or like the book is in two halves. One half is sort of like her curiosity around her aunt, meeting her aunt, getting to know her aunt. And then the second half is sort of like falling away from her aunt and hanging out, kind of finding other people that she hangs out with. So she meets some girls and guys and kind of gets crushes. And uh, there's like a love triangle uh, between mm -hmm. some people at the end. And yeah, that's roughly what goes on. Uh, I feel like there, even with that, so I, I agree with you in that it is kind of, there's like the family and then kind of the social life aspect, but both of them are like so intricately tied to Victoria. Yeah, like, they are. Like that's as much as, and like everyone kind of hates her. Like everyone is like. There, I, at least that's how, like, I don't know, everybody's like, oh, she is so much. Like, she's just constantly, like, in our stuff and around. And it, I feel like maybe more as the book continues, that resentment comes through. Kind of yeah. it discovers it, too. Yeah, like, um, Vittoria is the aunt's name. Oh, and she... Um, she has she had an affair with a police officer. Um, so, you know, she's not cool. Um, but the police officer died and Victoria became very close with the police officer's wife and helped raise her three children. Um, and the narrator whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but, Guiana, um, that seems right. Um, Giovanna, I think is the full name, but I think yeah. they call her like Guiana. Um, she becomes friends with these three kids that her aunt helped raise. And as she like gets close to them, she realizes like they don't really like her aunt that much either. Um, cause, cause her aunt is like overbearing and sensitive and can be quite mean. Um, the meanness really comes through when she wants to utilize it. Yeah. Um, great character. Like, and like every time she shows up, you're just like, all right, what's going to happen? All right. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a scene. I know it. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought the second half, the way the first half and the second half were related felt. So it's like a coming of age book. And I feel like, I don't know. It's been a long time since I was a teenager, but teens like look up to their parents and then they stop at some point and they find other people to look up to kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and that distance, like the teen from her parents. And then, so her aunt is sort of like this person 
that she's like, oh, I really look up to this. She's like so much better than my parents in all these ways. But then she falls away from her and she finds like this priest that she looks up to instead. So she's just sort of like looking for kind of a role model, but also like, so like the type of person she wants to be, but also the type of person she wants to be around, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it moves from the family to outside of the family, which seems right to me. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I feel like when I was a teen, at some point I stopped wanting to hang out with my parents as much. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I didn't really consider it in that way. I guess I like that there is a, um, I mean, that's the whole point of the book, I guess, is that there is that distinct moment when that turn happens where I can't really, thinking of my own life, have like a distinct moment, you know? Oh, yeah, I I definitely don't. Slow transition or something, which I guess the book is. Like it does, like you you have the pinpoint moment. She's kind of um, like memoirizing that's how like the writing of it felt to me. It was like the character is like writing from the, or I don't know, now looking back at her. Yeah. You know, and kind of like maybe coming to terms with it, narrativizing it. But. Yeah. Um, also there's, I mean, so much happens in this book. It's really like, I liked it cause it's kind of soap opera ish. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I love soap operas, but I love sort of like all the the drama and and sort of like vast network of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, that's to say my plot summary was like entirely inadequate, but, <laughs> uh, but mean, something that, There's that not like big, big catastrophe moments in this book or anything. They are like little like dramas, like day-to-day dramas of life. Yeah, um, that's true. No one's like, uh, murdered or like thought to be dead for years in returns or anything like that. Uh, I felt like a lot of the drama was sort of contained in the ownership of a bracelet. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so much. Do you want to talk about the bracelet for yeah, a second? The trajectory of the bracelet. And you like, I, and now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I, I don't know if it's ever, if there's ever a truth presented and as into like the, how it came to be like where it came, like was it Vittoria's mother's and then her father or Vittoria's brother Gianna's dad took it and gave it to his mistress and then his mistress gave it back to Vittoria and then Vittoria or no back to see, like it goes all over the place like yeah it's really hard to track and I don't I don't think definitively we ever learn the provenance because the way that it's written like very early on, we can't really trust anyone's account of things. Like Victoria's, like <laughs> yeah, the way Victoria sees events and the way her brother sees events are not the same at, yeah. at all. Um, and so, and and so, like uh, Gianna is trying to like, who do I believe? Like my aunt or my dad? And I think as readers, it's also like, who do we believe? And yeah. uh, ne- neither one, but like. So uh, just so that people listening can understand when uh, Gianna first meets Vittoria, her aunt, her aunt's like, why aren't you wearing the bracelet? I got you. And uh, she's like, you never gave me a bracelet. And she's like, yes, I did. Your terrible parents must have thrown it away. And then um, she asks her mom about it. And her mom is like, well, we never got a bracelet from her. That was a lie. But then it turns out that her dad was having an affair and he had given the bracelet to the woman he was having an affair with. And she shows up one day and hands the bracelet to Gianna. And it's like, I thought this was mine, but it's yours. And so then Gianna wears the bracelet until she falls out with Vittoria and she gives it back to Vittoria. And then Vittoria gives it to the daughter of uh, the daughter she kind of helped raise from this yeah. like um, family, and and then we find out that like supposedly the bracelet belonged to Victoria's mother, but Gianna's dad wanted it so much that he like took it or bought it. But then we also hear that it belonged to 
Enzo, so Enzo is the cop that died that Victoria like had an affair with. It belongs to like his wife's mother or something. Oh, yeah, there's and, like so much weighted on this item. Yeah. Simultaneously, while it's going back and forth at other points in time, almost everyone who has it is like, I don't care about it. Like Victoria's like, oh, I don't care about it. I gave it to you for this reason, or I gave it to Isabella, um, which is the like Enzo's daughter character. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, I gave it to her because she's like so anxious. She needed something, and then like, I don't know. Like everybody, other than maybe the the wife with which the her dad was having an affair. I feel like she really liked it, but everybody else goes back and forth on it. Yeah, that's they like it as long as they like the like they're in good standing with Vittoria, it seems like. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, yeah, oh, I didn't even think about that. And then it, that's what, I mean, it ends with that. The book like ends with the bracelet, right? Yeah, does it fall off her wrist in the sketchy apartment? I think she leaves it, like intentionally. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like, which I mean, is a, yeah, a good image and a good like metaphor for, uh, because it's a transitional moment for her as well. Yeah, um, done with so much of these things, it feels like. Yeah, kind of like I'm done with my family, like Victoria and everyone, like and like childhood in some ways. I mean, like oh, yeah, yeah. Ways where, like her choosing to. I wish there was a better phrase than lose virginity, but for what we have, for the the limitations of our language, she chooses to she chooses to have to have, have sex with someone, and he's a character that's reoccurred throughout it. But afterwards, um, she just like puts it on the floor of, yeah, his, like, sketchy, weird apartment that you don't even know if he lives in or he just kind of has. Yeah, I got the sense he just had it to bring girls to. Yeah. Um, He's kind of like this rich, skeezy guy who likes to um, sleep with women. Uh, And, like, harass them, kind of, until they sleep with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is, like, every man in this book, other than the, 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 like, is he a priest? He's, like, a, a... like an yeah, priest. yeah. He, I thought he was a priest, but he is also t- like he is an academic as well. He lives in uh, Milan, like yeah, uh, and he writes articles that everyone respects. Um, yeah, I feel like he's one of the characters that I will obviously have to talk about too. <laughs> yeah, um, there's so many characters in this book. Um, yeah, I feel like so much of this right now is just like us flushing out the plot and like, because I, I mean, I think you finished it. We both finished it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And so like, uh-huh. trying to be like, yeah, that's right. We got like, there's like this big web of people. And I think even because, yeah, the way that um, Giovanni, Giovanni, also Italian names, like this is my most uh, interaction with the with. <laughs> names, so I'm like, trying to keep all of these straight and like probably mispronouncing them. Um, but the main character, the way she bounces back and forth between her family unit and then like this other family of two girls that she's like super close with. And then that's like the, the family with which her dad cheats, like has had this like longstanding affair. So like that gets like really messy and complicated. And then she's got the other family through Vittoria and she kind of bounces between all of those. Yeah. Yeah, there's kind of like three family units. There's like hers and then her parents are best friends with this couple. The guy its name is like Mariano, I think, or something like that. I can't remember his wife's name. And then there's they have daughters whose names I'm forgetting as well. Which Ida, is like, Ida and Angela. I think so. And I think yeah. Ida's younger and Angela's like pretty much the exact same age. Yeah. <laughs> and their mother is named Costanza, I think. Yeah. Um, which I, to prepare for this, this morning, uh, I was watching soccer and looking at Goodreads reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> one of the Goodreads reviews was like one star. And it said, the best thing about this book is someone is named Costanza. But it's not George, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, we so, TV guy. Yeah. Um, so one family unit is Giovanna and her parents, and then there's her close friends, 
Angela and Ida. Angela's her same age. Ida's a little younger. Their parents are Mariano and Costanza. Costanza is the woman that Giovanna's father has a longstanding affair with. Um, and then the other family unit is Vittoria and uh, these three kids, basically. Yeah. Um, and like, by proxy. I like that's what I would I love that we never really get to hear how that happened because there's kind of like and I don't know they seem I don't know if this is like common for European or if this would be like American style families as well the willingness to deal with huge changes and still like continue life um and the way that like I think his name's Andre um Giovanna yeah Giovanna's dad the way that yeah. like still keeps in touch despite these like what would be like calamitous affairs you know and i don't know if i can think of like any american media where that is the case where it's like okay we're gonna like make our lives still like we're gonna like i know that it happens and that it but i can't think of american tales where that yeah. is like that's interesting because it kind of happens twice because like victoria becomes close with the family that of the man she had an affair with mm -hmm. and Andre stays close kind of I, uh, like affairs and divorces and stuff isn't like grounds for like cutting people out of your life or whatever yeah. um, which it feels like it should be to me but like or like based I think you're right I can't think of anything American off the top of my head where they're like yeah like I've been cheating on you for our entire marriage, but we'll, we'll stay pretty friendly. Like, mm -hmm. But that's what happens with uh, Gian Gianna's um, parents. Yeah. I guess her like, mom... Oh, go for it. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to like, probably her mom. I think you do get to see like her mom's psyche, at least filtered through her daughter, who is kind of resentful toward her as a teen and being like, oh, she's so pathetic the way that she's like still in love with my dad. And so yeah. I think you get to like see it like I mean it, it gets pretty dark for her mom, really. Like when you're seeing like it's like she's just kind of going through the bare minimum, like not really eating, like kind of fading away, and like you see her less and less too. Which I guess I don't know. It, it's mirrored with like what's going on and not mirrored, but with Gianna's life that is like getting complicated and messy as she navigates this as I mean, she's like thrown into the situation because of the choices of her parents and how she has to go through that as a teenager as opposed to like the adult who you know is having equal amounts of difficulty but as an adult i don't know i just i don't really know I mean, what I was that, but yeah they like they like don't really understand one another because like um giovanna just doesn't understand why her mom cares about her dad after her dad did all of this um mm -hmm. she but I, I guess she does, I think she comes to understand because there's a scene where Giovanna like gets in trouble at school, I think. And her dad goes to the principal and talks to the principal and she watches like her dad turn on this sort of charm that like coerces the principal into doing basically what, what the dad Andre wants. And I think in that moment, she's like, oh, like my dad is like, manipulative and he like gets people to care about him and stuff and mm -hmm. i i got the sense she was like kind of understanding like how her mom was still like cast under his spell sort of um yeah. in, in yeah. that and that's kind of what like victoria had said to her you know so she's like yeah. okay there's like, truth and everything and also like layers of lies and everything yeah I mean, I thought uh, the title Lying Life of Adults, like throughout this book, like her coming of age or her like growing up is kind of like her learning to lie to people. And she'll say that, like, I learned to lie to my parents about my relationship with Vittoria. Like um, prior to Vittoria, she never, it, it's implied anyway, she didn't really lie to her parents, but she learns to lie to her parents. She ends up lying to Vittoria. She lies to like Angela and Ida about like boyfriends and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. She starts to lie a lot. And so like the process of becoming an adult is like the process of learning how to lie and like be okay with lying to people and stuff. Oh is... man, yeah, yeah. 
oh this book is great like it's i don't know there's so much like there's a lot of it's kind of like a, a, a i wish it was again another the better word than dark maybe it's just like yeah. heavy but i mean that concept of yeah so much of it is her let's also i wonder if there's an italian version of like there's bildungsrumen roman like german coming of age word yeah because this is this would be it also i just wonder if that word exists because it's probably cool that's neither here nor there um, <laughs> yeah, so much of like at the core of this book is that coming into an adult life and knowing that it isn't it's not the like fun niceness the like i don't know pure innocence of youth and that's yeah god that sucks <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty bleak. Like to be an adult is to lie to everyone in your life. Um, yeah. <laughs> another instance, I guess, or like example of like becoming an adult, just like not being this like glamorous or beautiful thing. Like she she gets boyfriends throughout the book, and there's like this priest that she has like a huge crush on and stuff, and but those aren't the people she chooses to have sex with it's like this guy she actually kind of is like repulsed by and and she like throughout the book she just sort of like disdains him and then at the end she's like okay i'm gonna have sex with you and it's like not it's like not a beautiful thing at all it's not it's just sort of like okay well that's over now there's definitely no romance and it's yeah yeah kind of like i don't know plain physicality but neat like i guess and she's like pleased with how disappointing it is and yeah like, like it's like we drove or he drove me home him disappointed me elated just at like how how much it kind of sucked yeah um it's like she's comes to like relish the like misery of adult life or something or i don't know maybe she's just happy to not be like to have maybe like in her mind she's like crossed over into the world of adulthood now yeah um, and, and that is like the last like the last um section is just so short it's like maybe four chapters maybe 15 pages max it's so much yeah, yeah that decision is just in there i don't know it was, a, it was a strange twist not twist but it was a strange ending to me i thought i thought it took me by surprise too because the guy he's present throughout the book, but he's not a main character, you know? And so it's like, it's like, really, you're gonna like call this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and his name, like, yeah. And also like having sex doesn't seem like a huge motivating factor to her throughout the book. So to kind of end on it, it felt, I was like, huh? Like, um, I didn't know that mattered so much, I guess. Especially after, I mean, I think, like i don't know right before it it ends on like a very the third section ends she's in milan at roberto's place and then she has gone by herself like right after coming back to retrieve the bracelet for mm -hmm. Ella. and it's like um and she's there and like it's kind of implied that he is that she believes she could have sex with him yeah that he's open to it yeah and then it ends with um he was convinced that i had returned for that type of betrayal and not for betrayals that were much more ferocious and i don't really know what those like more ferocious betrayals were is that yeah for lying about stuff to isabella or her intentions or like and that's where like that that ending and then leading into that last section where she kind of makes the choice to have sex for the first time and it kind of touches on different characters that have like appeared throughout the book, but there isn't, it's not in a big, like not tying kind of, you know, put a bow on everything way. Yeah. Huh. I wonder, I don't know what those betrayals are either. I'd be curious, <laughs> but just betrayals. Uh, but what strikes me is that Roberto is engaged to be married to a person that, uh, Gianna's like friends with and so having sex with him would be a betrayal and it would be kind of like having an affair which is like what her dad did and what Mariano the father of her like 
friends also did a lot, it sounds like, um, and also what like Vittoria and Enzo did. So like all of the adults in her life, like had extramarital affairs. And I guess I could see her decision to have sex with the person she did and the way she did was almost like an act of rebellion against that type of relationship. Like she doesn't, she's not uh, having an affair or like sleeping with a married man or anything like that. She's sleeping with like a bachelor in a bachelor pad. Um, So she's choosing to not do it like her parents kind of. Um, And to not put the same weight on it in the way, like, because Vittoria throughout, I mean, talks very specifically about the amount and like the type and like like her like very, very brief sex life. Like that, the way it's presented is like, that's the only sex she's had in her whole life was with Enzo like four times. Yeah, and and it was amazing. Yeah, like, it was the fucking best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought that it, that does make that like um, Gianna doesn't put the same weight on like the physical act as like yeah. else in her life has, and how it's been presented as this like huge thing. She's like, I don't care. And I guess that right before that, she's talking to Ida, who is like, oh, I, I did it. I did it with like a married man and this happened, blah, blah, blah. I wrote a story about it, but I can't read it to you because it'll just, it'll spoil all of your desire. <laughs> and so it's yeah. kind of like similar and like, it's just like, I'm just going to get it done with. I'm, I'm like, I will, yeah, it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Um, did you get the feeling that Ida was um, uh, uh, gay? I don't know. So that's where, I mean, some of like the more like pure moments in this book are like, I think like when Gianni and Gianna, I'm kind of messing up names constantly, and Ida's yeah. sister, whose name I can't think of now, Angela. Angela. Um, and Angela and Gianna are like the same age and they kind of like, I don't know, explored their sexuality together. And it's like these very pure moments where they're like, they think Ida's asleep and they go into a different bed and they kind of just like cuddle and kiss and like role play what they want, what they think romantic relationships are supposed to be with like the characters from the, and it's not often it seems, but it's like, oh yeah, tell me I'm Tonino, like call me Tonino. Oh yeah. And then like Ida at that very end, like reveals that she knew she was awake, you know, and she wrote a story about how she wanted to be involved. Yeah. like, I, I, I don't know. I didn't really know if it was, like, ever, if they they thought of it as, like, a, like, straight versus gay or, like, or if it was just, like, being desired and being sexual and being physical and, like, having that intimacy and, like, just wanting that as, as a younger teen where that's not accessible. So, like, you're kind of figuring it out with the safety that you have, just, like, your good friends or their good friends in the situation. Yeah, I took Angela and Gianna's like playing as sort of just like exploration and like like not like oh they they are lesbians together. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't read that, but Ida it felt a little different with her because. Um, I can't think of the specific things, but the story she reads at the end where she was awake and kind of desired. And like, it seemed like she had sex with a guy because like Angela was doing it or something. And she just like, mm-hmm. and she hated it. And so I just didn't know if like there, it might not be like definitive or anything, but I just kind of got the, the feeling from, from Ida specifically. Um, and maybe that she kind of hoped that uh, Gianna was, too i don't know because yeah she's like like, yeah i guess i couldn't tell if it was like a like a queer longing or if it was just like a um general longing i guess yeah i mean it might not i mean it might not be defined like that that easily um that kind of with sort of similar i think related to that is like do you know when this is set that's a good question um because it feels like there's no cell phones so trying to date yeah. it and i think like why that feels relevant is like the 
and again, this is like where I wouldn't know Italian social norms versus American social norms and how those would align with like time periods, like how, how um, accessible and how like accepting people would be of like queerness, you know? So like if Ida would, like if that context would like put a different read on it or yeah. and be based on time and like, so like, I just don't know. I don't know shit about Italian culture <laughs> or like, especially Italian culture as it has changed over the decades. Yeah, I'm uh, her like Elena Ferrante's like famous books are set in like the 50s and I I think this is more set in a more recent time than that. Okay. It felt like know. 70s or 80s maybe. Yeah, that's I got 80s for some reason. I feel like there was I can't remember now cuz like you mentioned I finished it a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that I was like I don't think this is the 50s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think cuz there's the book is like almost entirely devoid of pop culture references, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. Like, I mean, one day, if they were Italian, they'd probably go over my head. And I wonder if that, this is hypothetical. Like, I wonder how much, if there are those references in the Italian versions and like in English editors, like, we're going to take those out. But that's, yeah. I don't know. My guess is they'd probably find, um, equivalents. Equivalence, yeah, in, in English, but what do I know? I've never translated anything. Anyway, <laughs> I do like that there is like a lack of like these people exist in their, and this is again another misprint, um, Neapolitan vacuum. Like everything is Naples. Their world is like Naples until she finally gets to go see Milan. You know? Yeah. And it's it's so just their her world. It's not, she's not, and it's, it mentions reading books and stuff, but it never name checks those books or explains what those types of books are. Yeah, that's true. Um, very much just like her life is like the social aspect of it or pulling away from that and like being alone. Yeah. Do you know what it is that made me think it was the eighties? She starts wearing a lot of black and heavy eyeliner. And I think, I think someone even says she looks like a goth or something like that. Yeah. That gives it some, some little dating. Uh Yeah, it does say she reads a lot and doesn't say what, which uh, <laughs> is nice. Uh, in um, her other book, she mentioned she name drops all the books that the character oh, reads. Um, I guess I was just excited, like excited for something to not have so much pop culture in it. And again, oh yeah, I just feel like there's so much like I don't know things that are put in there to like cue nostalgia or like characterize a character but if you don't understand those references it doesn't work so this was just i just appreciated it yeah also because i because this is such an angsty like teenage girl story i read it with like um pj harvey in my head the whole time uh and if it had pop culture references i might not have been able to do that like (laughs) just uh if there was like a whole section of Courtney Love sometimes came into my head when I like whole songs would yeah. play in my head. Subsection where she like, you know, I don't know, got into Riot Girl and wrote people letters. <laughs> and then it was just totally dropped. It just never came up again. Yeah, she's like uh made all these fanzines. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like like I'm great like I don't know. I can think of sub books where that happens, you know? It's like, oh like yeah, it was a, an aspect of the person's life, but like did we need it? Was it just so that like you could show that you have this cultural knowledge as like an author and like put it in and be like, yeah, that's right. I know what it is. I know what it's like to have a long reach stapler. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think why like where so much pop culture is, it feels almost like author intrusion type shit, like dropping it in to be like, oh yeah, oh, I'm, I, I got it. I hate that stuff. Like, it, it drives me crazy. Just leave it out. I read a book once that are like a character was in a band and they're like, it sounds like a cross between lightning bolt and something else. And I'm like, shut up. It, like, like, you know, what a, I don't want, I don't want to think about lightning bolt too. I don't want a book to remind me that lightning bolt exists. <laughs> or it's just like, why would you like, here's some like, like well-reviewed book from uh, random house or something. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you're just trying to get some sort of cred or something to like name lightning bolts in in this book that like 90% of the people who read this book will have 
book would have no idea who Lightning Bolt is. They might even think it was like a made up band. And then the people that do know are going to be like, shut up. Don't yeah. <laughs> it's just like a lose loop situation. <laughs> yeah, just leave it out. Like, <laughs> like a mix between the Sex Pistols and Lightning Bolt. Yeah. How does that work? Oh, it's uh, going to be good. God, I wish I could hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I mean, I guess, I don't know if we're going this, the, the inclusion of pop culture and things it's, I've always, it's difficult to know because lightning bolt. Yeah. Is a kind of obscure, weird one, very time and place. Like, yeah. You, it like, and that's where it feels like author intrusion, you know, like what's a, yeah. like a level of pop culture inclusion that like does work to characterize someone and isn't too obscure or isn't just like totally meaningless. I, I heard a song on the radio that was like, my girlfriend wears like a Misfits shirt. She likes Metallica, R.I.P. Cliff. And it was just like, that's so high level in my head. I was like, that's like, what does that mean even? Like, yeah. okay, she knows, cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I usually just find that stuff embarrassing. Like as I mean, a person. Kind of embarrassing talking about like, I mean, like it's, yeah. you know, it's difficult, but like, it's so such a huge aspect of our lives. Like we're fucking drowning in that shit. Yeah, I also think it dates things a lot of the time. Like you said, like Lightning Bolt is like a specific time and, and place. Yeah. Uh, and and so then like to read a book in like 2016 that's mentioning Lightning Bolt, I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> um, why not name a more current band? I, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but what, whatever. Uh, it has no lightning bolt in it, and it's stronger because of that. Yeah, um, I this book is great because it doesn't mention lightning bolt. <laughs> Honestly, uh, do you have a Goodreads? I do have a Goodreads. There's your there's your one sentence review that will make no sense because yeah. it's, it's a weird little in joke at this point. Yeah, um, there's some great. You were talking about this book being dark. Um, and kind of heavy. There was one Goodreads review that said, I don't like coming of age stories. Too much happiness. Not with Ferrante. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, what kind of misanthrope is like writing Goodreads reviews or like, I hate books where it's happiness. Or like, especially to like kids. <laughs> I hate books where good things, where kids have like good existences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I really had like uh, put all together how, yeah, bleak like, of a book it is. I mean, it starts because it does seem, I mean, I think that first sentence, first paragraph sets it up to be very heavy hitting. And then, like, a lot of the events don't feel that weighted. But when thinking about all of them together, it's like, yeah, that's like a sh kind of shit couple years. Like, yeah. Years where like a lot happened, it was really messy. She was very confused, and like there wasn't a lot of adult guidance that was good. It was like she was her dad moved out and was very distant. Her mom was very insular and distant, and then there's Victoria who is bad. Like it's kind of a, I mean they're all kind of bad people. If we yeah moral reading on them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at the end, like you said, she doesn't give as much weight to having sex as like Victoria does, or maybe her parents do or something. And I I feel like by the end of the book, like she's tried to strip away like meaning out of her life. Like everything meant too much for those years. Like uh, it was too emotional, too intense. And like, she doesn't want that anymore. She just wants to be kind of like empty and like devoid of meaning and that's sort of like a sad place to to end up i guess mm -hmm. uh even though i think the character's happy with it um my like outside perspective is like that's kind of sad i think maybe maybe a little uh not saving grace but lightness to it is that it with that style of um but what i think feels like memoir that it is examining a time in the past um i guess the, the character isn't sure of her existence still but definitely did get past those moments you know and so there is like that hope but i don't know if that gives it a little more hope or a little less actually 
Yeah. <laughs> about and talking about that, what, the pivotal time from like 14 to 16 or 16 to 18, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm never sure of the age of these kids. Um, another Goodreads review was like, this doesn't, this isn't like a teenager. This is like a middle-aged person with ennui. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is like, I feel like that's who, where, it's, where it's writing from, like that. Yeah. It's, 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 as a middle-aged person with ennui, um, I'm a yeah. Goodreads review. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I took notes of other funny i i i like goodreads reviews i just do the one star reviews and read those um someone was like i listened to this book on audiobook and marisa tomei is a great character uh, <laughs> it, it must be the person who reads it but i just think it's like <laughs> uh it's like i i, I wonder if like it, like Marisa Tomei voices a, a particular character and the author of the review liked that character. I don't know, but it's funny to sort of like impose Marisa Tomei into this novel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. I think I only marked one spot in um, with like a quote that I really, really, I don't know, that I thought summed up the book pretty well. And it's about halfway through. It's on like 189. Um, Let's hear it. It's just, it's a, an actual quote. And she said, yeah, I said only, ashamed of myself. I feel ugly, like I'm a bad person, and yet I'd like to be loved. And I was like, well, so it's kind of like one life, and also like what the point of her existence in this book is. So that she's kind of grappling with how she is as a person, what makes her up, like genetically and also influentially. I guess, uh, what's it? Rear, raised and reared, whatever the. Anyway, yeah, what makes her up at her core and then kind of coming to terms with it and then being like, well, like, I still want to be loved. That feels good. Yeah, there's a line somewhere and I marked it, but I don't I might not be able to find it now. But where it talks about someone like tells her, I think, to like love ugly things. Um, maybe it's Victoria who's like, um, I don't know, it's like advice, like ugly things need to be loved or something. And I don't think it's like in reference to her, her being the ugly thing, but I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to find it. So it's kind of like a non, non if you do like page by page, maybe, you know, we'll just, we got time, you know, just yeah, like, we'll just like, read real. It. <laughs> Remember, like when, I don't know if speed reading was ever real, but whenever they'd have the infomercials for it and you would just see a person like, violently flipping pages and like scanning with her finger like two fingers flip flip i mean you're doing it right now i think that happens in the born identity like uh matt damon takes the book and just like flips through it and it's like "Ah, the ending could be better Uh, 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 but i found it it's on page 69 um what truly counted was the capacity to inspire love, even if one was ugly, even if spiteful, even if stupid. I guess it's not telling you to love something because it's ugly, but that like ugly things can inspire love or like um, make you want to love something. Um, which also brought to mind Dillinger for um, Nelson Algren came to me and told me to celebrate the ugly things. Beat up side of what they call pride could be the measure of these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I played that song for my AP literature class because I read The Man with the Golden Arm because of that song. Yeah. (laughs) A big culminating like book project. (laughs) I. Miller for podcast episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, I've never read Nelson Algren, but I've always meant to because of that, that. It's a big bummer. A lot of um, more, if I remember right. Yeah, I think um, I've been recently into reading Jim Carroll, uh, who who wrote the Basketball Diaries, which was a um, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. But he's he was like a, a punk, uh, like friends with like um, Patti Smith and stuff in new york and but he got really into heroin as a teenager Mm -hmm. um and that's what the basketball diaries is and it's like a lot of real like 
uh, scum life, like real sad, sad stuff. Um, and I, I just bring that up because I think Nelson Algren is like probably kind of similar. Um, so it's been on my mind lately. Uh, I don't think I've ever read any Jim Carroll. Uh, he's, he's great. I got kind of obsessed with him. He only has two novels. He mostly wrote poetry. Um, or not novels. They're like collections of his diaries. And uh, one of them is the Basketball Diaries, which is like his life from 12 to 16, which is when he gets um, really into heroin. And then the other one, he's in his early 20s. And that one is like a little bit more sort of documenting like the New York art scene of, of the seventies. So he, he like runs around with like Andy Warhol and Patti Smith and all, all these people. Um, and then the second half of it is him trying to get sober. Um, so anyways, they're great books. Uh, <laughs> uh, lost my train of thought about the ugly stuff though. Um, but I guess like your the section you read was like even though she's ugly, she just wants to be loved, and the book is sort of like about her wanting to be loved. And I guess like the crisis comes when she gets called ugly or called said she looked like Victoria, and she started to question whether her dad really loved her or not. Um, and so then she kind of just goes around like, like looking for someone who will love her, and I guess it feels like she gives up at the end or something. <laughs> would you say she's looking for love in all the wrong places? I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like there's like the one part where when she kind of decides that she's not going to like pursue Roberto in like a romantic way, but is content to be just in his life. And like, I mean, at one point I think she, she's like, I will, I'll give everything to make Isabella and Roberto's relationship work. Like, I'll be the friend that, like, keeps it together. And, like, I feel like there's, like, a glimmer of hope for her to have, like, some purpose. But yeah. But it's also, like, such a, um, I mean, that one's, like, sad to me in that it's, she's just so willing to be, like, I will give up myself and, like, all, whatever dreams and hopes of love I had to, like, make sure that they have it. And then I can at least talk to him, you know? Like. Yeah. Part of me wonders if like i had a hard time taking her at face value with that stuff like she does she like resolves to just be a good friend to both of them and she would be content to just be their friends but part of me is like really or did you like <laughs> not like consciously like she was gonna get between them or something but like mm -hmm. she had strong feelings for roberto and yeah. Uh, I feel like being a friend was a way that she could pursue those those feelings, even if she kind of told herself, like she was lying to herself a little bit, maybe. About... She had learned to lie at this point. Yeah. So she's utilizing her skills. <laughs> um, <clears throat> something else that I noticed throughout the book that's worth mentioning is she wants to like, it, it seems like every sort of like group or unit in in the book has their own language and she wants to like sometimes she feels left out like she doesn't understand their language the first instance is like her her mom and dad saying she looked like vittoria and that meaning a particular thing to them that she didn't understand but then when she meets vittoria and isabella and like that family she she feels like Oh, I'm the last person to join this party, and they all have a language that I that I don't have. Um, and then when she, oh, sorry, keep going. When she meets uh, Roberto, she like he's a priest and an academic, and she gets like a, the Gospels so that she can can learn his language, um, and so she could talk to him about like the stuff he's interested in or learn his language. And she says on page 195, uh, I fantasize that with perseverance, with patience, with the best intentions, I could become a kind of mediator between them and my aunt. That is a person who could speak everybody's language. I looked for a copy of the gospels. Like she wants to be able 
to sort of speak the language of all these different units and sort of like tie them together, like mediate between them. Um, it's to say like language is really important to her, I guess. Yeah, I guess when I had first, I hadn't thought of it in those in that way. The language stuff a lot I thought was like at first to like kind of, like I don't know how much the book really gets into class stuff. But I feel like there's some of it there her family and like her world before she meets Vittoria and like what feels like a lot of her father's disdain for Vittoria, like with, along with familial, I don't know, um, ickiness or something with that stuff is like, there's like an element of like, they got their different class. Like she goes to the low lying part of town to be with these people. And even like Roberto is always like presented as escaping that area of town, you know? And like, yeah. And like, that's what Isabel and him have in common is that they came from this area. They came from this part of town, this part of Naples, where she's like up in the hills, like the, the lutent area. And so, and like, it, it kind of fades away, I thought, once she gets like more integrated in the lives and she just kind of like sees these people. Um, but when the way that like vernacular, I don't know what they call it. I don't know what they call it vernacular, but um, like a more like slangy type of language versus like oh, yeah. proper Italian is being used. And she has to kind of like switch back and forth. And then she tries to adopt it to have like a, a sort of authenticity when she tells these stories to Ida and Angela, like, oh, like I know slang. I know the like the dirty words for sex. Like I can say these things. Yeah, that that's true. I hadn't I hadn't connected the language thing to class entirely, but it, it is there. Um they they make a point about how sketchy Vittoria's neighborhood is and mm-hmm. they don't speak proper Italian. Um yeah. And sometimes she can't understand um, what people mean or what they're saying because uh, she doesn't understand the slang um, or the dialect. I, I don't I know. Call it, I think they call it dialect. Yeah. 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 I wonder how that works. Like, so in in translation, they have to say like, uh, Vittoria said in dialect or like mm-hmm. in I, I I'm always curious, like if in Italian it's just written in dialect, or if like yeah, I'm trying to think of like what would be like at least in English. I can't think of any way where it it doesn't come across as very um, what, cringe. Like you know, if you'd have like someone, and then they'd like what go into like all the words with like the G's would be dropped, and there'd be apostrophes, and they'd be using like a bunch of slang. <laughs> I feel like I'd be reading it and just be like, stop. Yeah. I, but, like, Maybe that's the that's why Alana Fronte is a great author because she can do that in Italian and like have it come across as sounding natural and not like I don't know someone imitating something. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like like I my dad is Norwegian and Norwegian is a very dialect heavy uh, language, so like. So my dad can tell where someone is from in Norway based on the way they speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there, like, there are words in colloquialism. So it's not, it's not just dropping like a G or, or something, you know, it's, it's Mm like use a different word for like, uh, I don't know, road or something. And that would reveal where they were from. Um, But I don't, I don't think we have that in at least American English. I think like British English, it might be different because they, they have a lot of dialects. Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Lana Ferrante should write an American novel. Yeah, she should. She should. She's a coward for writing an Italian. I think. <laughs> She's like pretty old too, isn't she? Uh, yeah. I'm, I think like Elena Ferrante is like a pseudonym and no one, I think no one, or maybe, maybe it's been discovered. I don't know, but for a while, no one knew who she was really. So it's hard to put an age on her, but based on her Neapolitan novels, the other ones, um, she was, she came of age in the fifties. It sounds like so. Um, I'm just saying, if she is all pseudonym, how she got a website? That's her name. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
I'm just saying she should take the like you know the last whatever 20 30 years of her life to really delve into American culture understand it and then write one banger of a coming of age story just for the American market now that she yeah. hasn't dominated it already yeah that would that will get her a Pulitzer Prize <laughs> which I'm sure is what she wants she's running in front of her that Pulitzer Every every Italian young Italian woman's dream is to get a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, that's good. Um, God, I thought I, I had like something. I was gonna say I feel like that's a good stopping point. Yeah, that's that's good for me. Uh, I thought I had something else, but I lost it. My mom would say it must have been a lie. Uh, <laughs> you can text it to me later if you want. Uh, if I think of it, I can do that. Um, it's probably not important, but, uh, oh, let me hit stop. Oh, let me, um, I'm going to say bye to end the podcast and then I'll stop recording at least. Um, so, Hey, thanks for doing this, Ray. Bye.